welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard and uh, joining me today or tomorrow or next week, because <laughs> it depends when you're listening really, um, <laughs> they, they are officially a repeat offender. Um, it is, from Weird Giraffe Games, it is Carla Cop. So hello. Hey, I'm so happy to be on. Um, let's talk um, Stellar Leap. First of all, what what happened with that? Because last time we spoke, um, you were um, just about to start with that, so that got funded. But let's catch up with that. How's that? How's that going? How's the process going for actually getting this out to the backers at the moment? So we are just about ready to say yes to manufacturing. I actually did say yes to manufacturing. Like they asked me, and they're like, "Are you ready?" And I'm like, "I'm ready." And they're like okay, we're going to send you something to look over. And I was like, what? But you already sent me a thing to look over. Um, but <laughs> we're doing the check again. And then uh, actually I should be getting it tomorrow and I should just be able to go through everything and check it off and then say yes to manufacturing. And then they said that hopefully it will like be fully manufactured on April 20th, which is like a month from now. It's like very exciting. When you're doing like something like this, I mean, is this a completely another set of skills that you're having to learn as well? Do you have to learn about kind of like bleed on things and production or, or do you, are you getting like the final kind of production copy in kind of like a white box so you can look over stuff? Because there's certain processes that go through. I know of some people that get like a box full of like blank shapes <laughs> that don't have any colour on them. I know other people that get like the box of the final production of the game. So what kind of what kind of thing did they send you over first? Was it the blanks or was it an actual? This is what all the printed matter is going to look like. I mean, what were they what were they kind of sending you? Okay, so the first time they sent me a box, they sent me both. They sent me the blank stuff so that I would know the quality that they would be um, doing. But then they also sent me all the colored versions so I would be able to look it over and see things and. Uh, that was very good to uh, for them to do because there were a couple mistakes on things like backs were flipped or different mm -hmm. like cards that were supposed to have the same back had slightly different backs, which was not like that's a no go uh, for things. Um, so, yeah, it is a whole different set of skills like. Um, I've done this before. I've done it once with a, a little card game. So I went into yeah. it and I knew about things like bleed and stuff, but I did not know about all the rest of it. Like, um, meeples, <laughs> custom meeples are really cool and they're really easy. Actually. Um, I just had to get a meeple artist to make a drawing and then to say how like big I wanted it to be and what colors, like I just gave them a hex code of a color and then I get these like awesome meeples that are exactly <laughs> what I wanted. So that was like no learning, just I think this is how this goes and it worked. But there was more learning to be had. I wanted to do dual layer player boards. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 And I decided to do those and I did not know the amount of effort it would be to create them. Like, getting the box and, like, opening it and taking out that dual-layer player board was, like, an amazing feeling. And then, like, the next amazing feeling was putting the cubes uh, into the, like, dual-layer part and being like, whoa, 
this fits. Like, it fit, and it fit really well. It was great. Like, I was just so amazed because the actual process of creating the dual-layer player boards, that took yeah. a month. That was January. Like, it seemed like every day I was getting something that I did wrong, and then I'd go talk to our artist, and he'd fix it, and I'd send it back, and, oh, no, I did something wrong again. And it was, like, it was so much. And, like, the thing about it was is that, like, things were changing. Like, first, we had to get it, like, like the artists there had to check it off. And then, like, the, the people that actually manufactured had to check it off. And each person had, like, a different set of requirements. And, oh, like, I thought, like, um, the bleed on that was just going to wreck me. Because um, they say, like, it'll go, like, two millimeters in either direction. And when you want... To create a space that is eight millimeters deep, but like both yeah. of the things can change by two millimeters. Does that mean it'll come out either four millimeters or twelve? <laughs> like I was like, I don't like understand like what you want from me. Like I want it exactly like this, and they wanted to make sure everything was, you know, like there wasn't any sort of art or anything. Like, like how they talked about it. Like I got so worried. I was so worried that, like, their processes, like, just would go off and nothing would work out. But then it came and it was perfect. So, you know, now I know. And now I know, like, all the hassle that goes into that. Like, it's not just a cost, like a like a monetary cost. It'll be, like, a, yeah. a time and stress cost. Because, like, well, I wish I could do graphics, but I can't. So, like... I had to take um, what the manufacturer said and kind of translate it to my artist. And, like, that not, like, it doesn't always work as well as you think it will. So, and I was also using an artist that wasn't a board game artist. Like, maybe a board right. game artist would just know things. Like, yeah. like, he did know things about, like, bleed. Like, he'd done, like, physical uh, printing before. So he knew that, but, like... Dual layer player boards, those are like games only and only like specific board games. So, I mean, is there a cross thing with jargon as well? I mean, is it a case that you got to kind of sometimes decipher the kind of the jargon or the man manufacturers, are they pretty good at kind of putting it in kind of simple terms? And I mean, I don't mean simple terms as a, as an lack of intelligence i mean in simple terms as in making it kind of crystal clear without flooding the kind of your ears or your eyes with jargon um not always um so we got to a point where they started putting pictures and stuff and they would circle things and like they would say words and i would still be like i don't like i'm looking at this picture and i just don't understand what they want um, so I'd have to like go back and forth and be like, okay, I read this and this is what mm. I think I should do. Do you agree mm. with this statement? Because like, I didn't want to waste the time of my artist because like there was a couple times where I was like, I think I understand. And I told them what to do. And then it's like, no, you still didn't do the thing. So yeah, it was, it's definitely a learning process. Are you enjoying it though? You sound like you're enjoying it though. Oh yeah, well I didn't enjoy the the whole dual layer player board thing. Like that was <laughs> I am definitely going to not like put it in every game that I make. Um but other than that, yes, yes, I really enjoy like the publishing and designing parts of it. Is that um giving you a kind of a a different way of maybe tackling the design side of things for the next game for um 
Fire in the Library? Um, not really. That uh, Fire in the Library is a more simple game, and uh, like it just didn't lend itself to dual layer player boards. And I could have made custom meeples, but well, I would. I really wanted to, and then I was like, "What does a librarian look like?" <laughs> um, they look like people, and that's a regular meeple, so. I could just go with the regular meeple. Like, I could, like, maybe, I don't know, put a hat on them, but not every librarian wears a hat or has glasses or something. It would just be, like, more more effort to try to make it more librarian-ish, and then there'd always be that person that's like, yeah. I'm a librarian, and I can't, like, I'm not this. I'm not identifying with that. It's a very... It is, isn't it? See, when you get into identity things, if you say, well, this is a stereotypical thing, you'll get a thousand people screaming at you saying, let's not do stereotypes here. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Not a good, that's, not a good place to, that's not a good place to be in. Um, I mean, going back to Stellar Leap, I mean, um, when we spoke, it wasn't even... It wasn't, it wasn't officially existing. I mean, it wasn't funded. Um, I mean, looking back, now obviously you've had some time looking back on the campaign. Um, were you pleased with how the campaign was run? Was there anything that you've learned going into the next campaign? Um, I'm guessing Fire in the Library is going to Kickstarter as well, yeah? Yes, yes. It's actually starting tomorrow, actually. So oh I am. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's intense. I have to, like, finish my giant checklist of things, hopefully, tonight. But um, I did learn a lot from Stellar Leap. Um, one of the main things was that I wanted to be way more prepared than I was uh, for Stellar Leap. Um, like, well, for instance, I think we talked in the middle of the campaign. Versus yeah. now where I wanted to talk before the campaign started so that, you know, like, um, during the campaign, like, so much stuff is going on and you have to, like, talk with so much people and, um, like, just deal with all the comments and all the different things that are going on. Like, doing the interviews before all the hecticness starts, um, like, I really wanted to do that. And I think I did that. Like, I am so much more prepared um, for this Kickstarter than I was for Stellar Leap. Like, not that I was, like, super unprepared. I thought I was prepared, and I just, you know, I I found a couple ways to improve the process a little, I hope. Were you um, prepared for the kind of the interest in the community? Because you kind of created a nice little community on the Kickstarter. Were you prepared for how much interaction was expected on, like, say, the comments side of things? Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I managed to cope with it. Um, I dedicated, like, a certain amount of each day to dealing with the comments, but, like, I was very mm. happy with how many people actually commented and participated in different things. Like, it was really fun, actually. Um, just how many people I got to know. Like, like, well, I've gotten to know people on Twitter, but, like, for my first mm. Kickstarter campaign, like, I didn't really get to know anyone via Kickstarter. They already knew me. But in Stellar Leap, like, I made some friends just based on, like, we were commenting back and forth, and then I started messaging them, and, like, now it yeah. feels like I kind of know them. So that yeah. was a really cool thing. I hope it happens again, where somebody just finds me on Kickstarter, and then we can start talking about stuff. Yeah, that's kind of cool, because you've you've kind of, your names become pretty well known in the, the Twitter sphere of um, board games as well. 
I mean, I know that every time you've been posting something about fire in the library, it's always coming up on kind of notifications to say, you know, Carla Cops just tweeted about this, Weird Giraffe Games just tweeted like this, and it's like you've got lots and lots of likes and lots and lots of retweets, and you've got a lot of interaction on Twitter. So is that is that also been like a pleasant kind of side, I guess a pleasant kind of side thing that's come along with it as well? Well, I think like like you saying that is really cool. Like, um, I think one of my issues is I tend not to see my own success, if you will. Mm. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I I have a certain amount of confidence in myself, but maybe I don't take enough time to be like, whoa, that tweet got like forty likes, or like even <laughs> to pay attention to that. Like, well, because I I respond to people and stuff, but I just I guess I don't take time to notice things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a question for you. And um, <clears throat> one of the things that's been kind of highlighted repeatedly is, you know, let's highlight kind of like a, a, a woman creator in the board game kind of space. And, I mean, your name does come up an awful lot, you know, again and again and again. Um, from your point of view, would you prefer just to be kind of said, well, I don't want to be kind of highlighted as here's someone special because they're female. I want to be highlighted as here's someone special because they've created a fantastic playable game. I think I'd prefer to be um, like the fantastic playable game, but I mean, I don't Hmm. mind the whole woman thing. I do think that women designers kind of are at a disadvantage. Like if you've ever gone to a big convention in an unpub room you know, there's not a lot of women. It was actually kind of, um, I don't know if it was cool or weird, but like I was in an unpub room at PAX Unplugged and one of the guys was like, whoa, there's two lady designers that are talking to each other and playing each other's games. We have to take a picture because this is awesome. Because I guess they'd never <laughs> seen like two women designers together. It was like yeah. the anomaly of the whole thing. Um <laughs> But, like, uh, being highlighted as a woman, I think, is really cool because um, I'd like other women to see that, to see that I am doing things and creating games and um, to get more confidence in themselves um, so that they can see, like, hey, somebody like me is doing this. You can, you know, be successful as a woman in board games, so maybe I'll take that, like, jump and do it. Um, I know, like, me seeing other, like, women creators has been really awesome. Like, uh, Suzanne and Mandy, like, just seeing them in, like, uh, just the Twitter community and stuff. Like, it's given me a lot more confidence over the past year or so to, like, be open and honest and, like, to reveal as much as I do about myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that was just it's just a question because I've seen as I say, you become I've seen a lot of um you become I wouldn't say Twitter famous, but I'm gonna say you <laughs> become well known. I mean, from the person that I spoke to um originally, you know, when we first were speaking about Stellar Stellar Leap, or even before Stellar Leap, you had a kind of a presence on Twitter, but I don't think you had the kind of the presence as was there is kinda of now, where it's kinda of like, Okay, there's a lot of excitement for fire in the library. I mean, you've you seem to have the social media people. There's a lot of people aware about you know what Carla's doing next. So, um, I mean, are you? Ex- I mean, is um, let's talk a little bit about Fire in the Library. I mean, f- first of all, I mean, are you are you 
are you kind of more because of the success of Stellar Leap, are you kind of more confident about what you're going to do with Fire in the Library? I would say yes. Like, I am super confident in Fire in the Library. Um, not only because I've gotten to see all the reviews and quotes from people, um, because, like, mm-hmm. they're all, like, really fantastic. Like, um, people really honestly like the game. Um, but I also have a lot of people helping out with um, Fire in the Library. Um, like you say that there's a lot of people talking about Fire in the Library, and that's not just because of me. I also managed to get Beth Sobel to do the art, and people love Beth's oh, yeah. art because it's so great. And then, like, I got. I've, I've, seen, uh, I've seen some of Beth's art today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, yeah, no, she did. She was in herbaceous. She did herbaceous, didn't she? Um, yeah, and, and she also did suns- sunset over water as well, which were two of it. Oh yeah, of course, viticulture as well. And lanterns. But, yeah, I know. Was that um, was that exciting to get her to be doing the art for Fire in the Library? Oh, it was super exciting. Like I was just over the moon. Like because she offered to do the art. Like I didn't approach her because. Well, she's Beth, and I would, like, I had just assumed, you know, she was too busy for, like, a smaller publisher uh, like me, so, but then she approached me, and I was like, yes, please do the art, like, here's what I need, I am just so fantastically, like, over the moon right now. Were you kind of sitting there, kind of, like, having a kind of a, a Wayne and Garth moment from Wayne's World going, and here I am, talking to Beth Sobel. About her doing art for my next game. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and they just running, just picture of you running down the street with your arms, kind of flailing the air, <laughs> kind of jumping for joy. But I mean, that's that's kind of pretty cool. Um, how how did the idea come around? So, I mean, um, Fire in the Library is actually not a game that was designed by me. It was designed by Tony Miller and John Prather, and I got to know them um, just by going to conventions and being part of Twitter and stuff. And I was able to playtest the game over the last couple years. And finally, like after um, Stellar Leap was successful, um, I went to Tony and I offered to sign Fire in the Library. And he said yes, so we started working together. This is Tony Miller, that's the bearded rogue. Yeah, he's also on um, breaking into board games. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's kind of um, known for his wonderful purple hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is indeed. Um, so did you just kind of did you just kind of approach him, or was he kind of actively wanting people to look at fire in the library, and you kind of walked up and went, "Yeah, I'll I'll take a look at the game." I mean, how did that process kind of? get set in motion so it was kind of maybe an awkward process like throughout this whole like board game design and publishing thing i've gotten a lot better with people um especially in the last like year or so um so i had played fire in the library and started talking with tony and he'd go to uh, different publishers and pitch fire in the library and usually what the publishers would say would be like hey fire in the library is great but I have a push-your-luck game, and so yeah. I can't have two push-your-luck games. That would be too many push-your-luck games. Um, so I had like heard him get this feedback a couple times, and 
that really got me thinking. It was like, whoa, okay, it is a great game. I like playing it, and I don't have a push your luck game. I mean, every publisher needs a push push your luck game, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And I thought about working with Tony and how, he, like, working with Tony and John would be really awesome. And, like, I just wanted Fire in the Library. Like, I wanted to buy it. Okay, um, so yeah. I think I approached him at Gen Con and I kind of offered to publish it, um, but I don't think he understood that I was offering to publish it <laughs> because like, I was still more awkward than I am now and not right. as forward. Um, so then I tried again after Stellar Leap, like I'd gained the confidence, like, yes, I can kickstart a game. I'm doing this. I'm approaching him. <laughs> And I was very explicit so that nobody could, like, misunderstand. And Were you dropping kind of subtle hints at or something like that? Were you, like, kind of saying to him, well, you know, say somebody decided to publish the game. How would you feel about that? Was that kind of how it went? Was it not just, like, a direct kind of conversation then? Well, I think I was like, hey, yeah, I'd publish that. Um, and I think he thought I was joking or, like, not serious or... I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like, kind of, I don't know. I guess it'd be like me saying, yeah, I'm back. I'm going to backfire in the library. And you going, yeah, okay. You're either <laughs> telling the truth or you're joking kind of thing. Or, or you know, I'm going to buy Weird Giraffe games one day. You know, I'm just going to buy it and it's going to be my organisation. Going, yeah, okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, moving on. I'm smiling and I'm waving at you. But um, So that was how that kind of came about. You just like, you eventually went, no, Tony. I want to publish your game. And he went, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it went. Like, yeah, I'm serious about this. And he was like, what? Yes, let's do it. So. <laughs> was it, I mean, when he turned around and agreed, was there part of you that went, yes, <clears throat> we just signed a game? And was there part of you that went, yes, we've just signed a game? And kind of realised the kind of the undertaking and everything else that was going to kind of be involved with that. It was more excitement because, well, like, I'd never signed a game before and I was so looking forward to actually working with Tony and John and, like, having another designer to, like, pitch ideas off of and, like, it was going to be, like, all of us working together. Um, I do have, like, other um, another partner in Weird Draft Games, but he's not, like so into it like i have to be like hey can we please play test like tonight let's do it let's <laughs> let's play test this thing and yeah. um i can't be like hey let's just play test for like five hours <laughs> no <laughs> exactly what we did this afternoon and all of a sudden all of the chores and everything like that that need to get done in the house are miraculously done yeah yeah <laughs> it's either that or play testing um how does a game play? I mean, Fire in the Library, I'm guessing it is um, to do with books. I'm guessing it's to do with combustible materials. I'm taking a wild stab in the dark. <laughs> so but It could be some kind of ignition, ignition process might be involved in that everything kind of comes together and there's a smell of smoke, potentially. Y yes, you are basically correct. So Fire in the Library, it's a game for one to six players and in the game, you are a librarian that's trying to save books from the burning library before it collapses. So 
What is important is one, saving books, and also two, proving how brave you are in saving the books. It's very, those two are almost equally important, actually. So, um, there's a variable turn order to the game where the person that is going, that has the lowest score, they get to choose their turn order first. And if you go first, you are like rushing into the library, you're not looking around, you are being very risky. And if you manage to save books while you're risky, you are going to get more points than you otherwise would. Like if you went like fifth, you would not get your bravery points. Um, but it's also riskier. So um, when you're actually going into the library, the library is a bag and you're going to pull tokens out of the bag. If you pull out a fire token, the fire token is red. You can get mm. one fire token in a safe space or... Um, oh, okay. Going back. You, if you get one fire token in a risky space, you've burnt stuff. Oh, right. You can get one fire token in a safe space, and you're fine. But if you get two total fire tokens, you've also burnt stuff. So you want to stop before you end up burning everything. Um, but, like, the first turn order card, like, it only has one safe space. After you mm. put, some, put a cube in that space, you know, if you pull out a fire cube, you've burnt, like... That's how it is. Um, there are also tools that you have that can help mitigate your luck or change, like, um, the gloves. They change all risky spaces to safe spaces while still giving you those bravery points. Um, mm. There's the bucket that can just, like, put out a fire if you have gotten too many fire tokens. Um, but, yeah, like, as you're going along, you decide when you want to escape the library and if you do escape the library early and don't go risky, you get to grab a tool on the way out. Um, mm -hmm. And then you tally up all your book points. So the book oh, points. Yeah. In the beginning, all the books range from one to four points. There's four different um, book types. There's white, black, yellow, and purple, which correspond to history, geography, fables, and war, I believe. Um, I know what they are, but, like, sometimes my mind goes a little, like, crazy. <laughs> but, um, yes. So each one is a different value. Um, and as, um, imagine that you burnt some books. Okay, it's a yeah. sad day. But if you burnt, like, a bunch of the history books, um, what would happen is those history books would be more valuable to players later on. So, um... Oh, right. So you're creating kind of, like, scarcity then. So... It's, is it then worthwhile sometimes kind of maybe letting a couple of those good old geography books kind of maybe accidentally set on fire <laughs> and then be, allow you to kind of collect more points later on? Yeah, well, like, in the beginning, like, your first and second turn, you're not going to get that many points because nothing is worth that much. So um, during those turns, I tend to just, like, try to collect tools either from leaving early or just from burning things. Um, so, yeah... Um, as the game goes on, uh, things get burnt, um, and, but the, uh, the game will then end if any one section of the library has completely burnt down. And when I say end, like, if the person that burnt everything down was the second player, um, the third player doesn't get to go because the library has collapsed. So you want to kind of weigh that and not burn too much. You want to, um, have, like, the ability to save books on your turn and then, like, burn it down before the next player goes. Is that where the kind of the push your luck kind of thing goes? Well, um, as well. 
Yeah, um, the pressure look is kind of in um, the drawing from the bag, but also towards the end of the game, are you going to pressure look and go later on in the round or earlier and make sure you get your turn? Um, because if you choose to go too late, you won't get your turn mm. if somebody collapses the library. How many, I mean, how quick is this going to get paid, played? Because this sounds like something that you could maybe turn around and kind of like... 25 minutes half an hour i mean does it play can it play even quicker than that or are you, is, is there a certain play time you've designed it for so it plays in about 30 minutes um there are if you do have a large player count and everyone is super cautious it can go longer than that or it could go a lot quicker if everyone is pressing their luck and burning things um, I've seen games that go only for about 10 minutes because everyone's like, hey, I'm going to have a big turn. And then, oh, yeah, I just pulled two fire cubes and I just I burnt all these things. Um, so, yeah, that does happen. Um, and one mechanic in there um, that tries to like make the game about the same length is um, after everybody has played. Um, their turn, mm. they put their turn order card back in the middle, and then since nobody actually put out the fire, we were all too worried about saving books uh, to deal with mm. the actual problem at hand. Um, the library continues to burn, and one of the sections of the library burns at the end of every round. Ah, right, okay, okay. When you, I mean, when you've been playtesting this, and it sounds like you've been playtesting this, have you been kind of involved in, have you had to go back to to like say Tony and John with feedback on the playtesting that's been done in order and, and, and or have you been are you been more involved in I mean yeah I guess that's the question have you been are you been involved in kind of working on improving the game as it's gone or have you left that kind of like to Tony and John to do Oh, I've definitely been like really involved with the development process I'm the game developer um, so that's uh, <laughs> kind of what I've been doing um I do go back to them when I'm like, hey, um, this happened in a playtest, and I had this idea, which way do you think is better? Like, I don't know. And I do talk to them about all the changes, and like, I ask them to playtest and tell me what they think of the things I've changed. Um, because I mm. did do um, actually quite a bit with the game. Like, I didn't change how the library worked or the, how the bag worked, but I added in a tool deck. And before... Um, uh, when Tony and John had it, um, everyone, every player had four of the same tools and they got to use those tools um, during their turn. But I changed it into a tool deck and added, um, yeah. well, now there's 10 different tools in the game. Hopefully we'll meet more with stretch goals. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, there's 10 different tools. Um, some of them, like um, the bucket, um, that just puts out a fire on your turn. That just, that was uh, Tony or John, and we just took that straight and put it into the game. But some of them, like the slingshot, um, that was a new idea, um, and there was like a lot of them. Like, <laughs> um, I think the gloves were also one of their ideas, and the library cart, um, but the amulet. So the amulet is one of my favorite um tools to play because it's also more of a push your luck sort of thing so what the amulet does is you play it before any player has chosen a turn order card and you get to draw a certain number of cubes out of the bag um, equal to the number of players and then you can put one cube on each of the turn order cards so it makes um, choosing turn order um, 
more interesting and it also changes the changes the distri- distribution in the bag so if you get a lot of books and you put a lot of book tokens on the um, turn order cards maybe you should go last um, just because if you go first then those book tokens aren't in the bag and that person's uh, percentage of getting a fire token is much higher than it otherwise mm. would be but if you okay. take out a lot of fire tokens with the amulet you should go first because then you can most likely um, choose a book, but then the fire tokens are out and you uh, have a better day, usually. <laughs> I mean, um, is it strange beyond on this side being on the developer side of things? Because before, uh, I mean, you were able just to say, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this and this is going to be changing it. Have you had to be a little bit more diplomatic when it came to making changes? Are there stuff that you would maybe like to see kind of even more changed or have kind of like held off because actually it's, you know, you have to respect kind of what's happened with the previous design stuff? So I wouldn't say that (coughs) there was anything that I'd rather change about the game. I made the game into the game I really love playing and... Mm. So there was nothing in there where I was like, oh, I should change this, but that's John or Tony's thing, so I'll just leave it. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there were things where like, I did like approach them and talk to them about different things and um, kind of let them decide on whether we were changing that or not or like taking into account all their opinions because like they are good designers. So uh, I really enjoyed working with them. Um, like me and Tony are really close. Like we've actually, uh, well, we met in person a couple times at conventions. I actually visited him over Thanksgiving and I got to meet his family and stuff. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, like... I, like, if I have an idea, I'm just going to tell them, like, I'm not going to, like, like, I don't have any, like, reservations, really. And, like, I hope that he doesn't have any reservations with me. And he's, like, if he sees, like, something he doesn't like, he'll just say it. And that's happened before where he's, like, hey, I think this should be like this. And I'm, like, oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) it should probably be like that. What's it been like in terms of um, getting the word out then? Because you mentioned earlier on that you've got a team that's actually helping you kind of get the word word out on this. Has it been easier to approach people and say, hey, do you want to talk about the game? Or, hey, can I come on your podcast? Or, hey, would you like a kind of a review copy? Has that been easier since, obviously, the success of Stellar Leap? Yes, it's been, like, so much easier. Well, like, one, like... Talking to you the first time, I was, like, super nervous. But since I had talked to you about Stellar Leap, you know, I was just like, hey, do you want me on again? Like, it was much <laughs> less, like, uh, just thinking about it and me being in my head. Like, um, so, like, everyone that I had interviewed with for Stellar Leap, I was just like, hey, I'm doing a thing. Do you want me on again? And I think most everyone said yes. I'm not, like, I didn't go over my entire spreadsheet yet. But, yeah, like, that was so much easier. And also, I was able to give my spreadsheet to Tony, and he was willing to go on different podcasts and such and talk to people, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. So there's, like, instead of just me doing all the interviews and stuff like that, then it was Tony as well. And since I've gotten more famous or whatever in... The board game community um more people know about me so um i was able just to tweet and be like hey do you want to interview me just you know 
I'm willing right here. Just ask. So <laughs> I got to meet uh, a, a couple new interviewers for uh, this Kickstarter that I didn't even know about before, which is very exciting. And I noticed, I mean, there was uh, points you were talking about doing kind of like uh, putting out review copies and things like that to, to people. Um, have you had to like put that out in almost like a world, a, a kind of a bigger basis, like a more of a worldwide basis across not just in the US, but across the UK and stuff like that? Yeah, so I've actually, so I have a reviewer that I really like in Australia. His name is Derek, and I have mm. worked with him for every game, and I will most likely work with him for every game, you know, that I ever create, just because he is, well, he's an amazing person, and he also writes really good reviews. Like, he's very good with words, which is important for a written reviewer, because then you get the quotes and stuff. So, yeah. Um, even though Australia shipping is so expensive, but he's <laughs> worth it. He's worth it. Okay. <laughs> but I have gone. <laughs> I was going to say, here's a fact. Okay. Do you know it's cheaper to ship something from the UK to Australia than it is to ship from one side of Australia to the other? What? That doesn't make any sense. That totally makes sense. I work in, um, I know a lot of people that work in logistics and for a while, it was cheaper for somebody to buy something from eBay in UK in the UK than it was depending on which way it was going. Because sometimes they they go by plane, sometimes they go by boat, but sometimes it was often more expensive. <laughs> I've told this it's a pure fact. I'm telling you, I'm not just making this up out the top of my head to bake your noodle. This is a truth. This is a true statement. So. But yeah, shipping to Australia, because it's always, if it's going from one side to the other, I'm guessing it's going to go through, well, it's almost like a completely, it's a massive place, isn't it? I mean, guess that's what you forget. So going from one side of Australia to the other is going to take a, a long time if it's going through the mail network. So there you go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so um, I also have reviewers in the UK. Um, there's that one board game... Like, uh, there's a reviewer group that's UK-based that I'm, like, blanking mm. on. Is it Board Game Exposure purchase? Yes, I yes. think so, yeah. So I was able to get in with them, and, uh, well, one, Lindsay is amazing. That's Shiny Happy Meeples. I was really happy because I kind of requested her first, and she was also interested, so she got the game first. And uh, I've really liked, uh, like, just talking with her and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, so I did... Um, board game exposure and oh it's like big boss battle i think um his mm -hmm. name is matt i don't know if you know yeah. him yes so i went with uh two people oh actually three there's also katie um katie's game corner yeah yeah so i also went with a lot more reviewers this time so for stellar leap i believe i made 10 reviewer copies um but for fire in the library i made 20 um, one, just because I, I really want Fire in the Library to do really well. Um, but also, yeah. um, making the Stellar Leap review copies, like, those were like $50 each. Like, it was non-trivial amount of cards in the box. Um, but with Fire in the Library, it, it was a lot less. It didn't cost as much. Um, it might have cost, like, I made some mistakes in making the prototype. Um, actually, because I physically made all the boxes. But it was a, yeah. uh, you know, learning experience, I guess. Um, I now know why boxes cost so much to buy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but um, just 
because I had like a like I knew so many reviewers from both Super Hack and um, Stellar Leap. Like I kind of have like my core group of reviewers that I'm gonna be using like every time. Um, yeah. But I went out and I tried to find new people as well because it's always good to like just know more reviewers and know like well like you want your core group because you want to make sure like hey. I need to have, you know, five reviews done by the Kickstarter. You know, that just is necessary. Like, well, it's not necessary, but I I want to show that, you know, people like this game. And one way to do that is just to have, like, good quotes from reviewers. So you have to have that core group. But, you know, sometimes people just get busy. And you also should branch out when you're a publisher just so you just have a hopefully giant list of reviewers that you like and you know about and are still good and doing reviews because not everyone is going to be doing Kickstarter reviews all the time. Um, yeah. Like, for instance, um, I once I went with uh, Mandy and Carol um, for their chit-chat um, for Stellar Leap, and since then they've stopped doing Kickstarter reviews, which is sad, yeah. but yeah. it happens. Yeah. I mean, the thing with, I guess... Um, as there's more and more Kickstarters um, happening, I guess as soon as you put your head above the parapet and say, hey guys, we'll do reviews, then um, you get inundated. <clears throat> I mean, even though we don't do reviews, I must get at least, you know, I must, at the beginning, probably nothing. You know, at the beginning, I would probably be chasing people to say, hey guys, you want to come on the show? <laughs> I think nowadays we're in a situation where we do get a lot of people who want to send us a review copy because to get some kind of a, you know, to get some kind of exposure, to get people getting an eye on the product because a lot of reviewers are very, very busy and they're, you know, you'll know yourself, they're kind of, their uh, workaround time isn't kind of like weeks. It's usually, you know, it's, it's usually months now. You know, you really need to be getting in with your copy to a reviewer in order for them to even be able to dedicate the time to kind of, you know, to, to, to play it first of all and then to kind of put together some content, which is a, which is another thing that has to get taken into consideration. Well, yeah, definitely. And there's also reviewers that just, you know, they have things going on in their life. Like, um, I had asked Married with Board Games to review, and they're like, well, we're moving. So, you know, we'd rather put more time to, you know, the whole moving thing we're doing, and we can't actually mm. dedicate time to, uh, you know, reviewing board games because we have things going on. No, I know exactly. I mean, the number of times I get... Um we get, you know, there's people, I have a list of people that I know at some point this year, I'm going to have to sit down and we're going to get them on the show. But it's a matter of time because there's only so many days in a week that you can record and organising time. And as you know yourself, kind of things, you know, things happen. I mean, last, you know, as I said, last week I was like kind of wrecked as far as everybody in the house was kind of like coming down with flu and stuff. So I've still got a, a beautiful, wonderful cough. Um, but it's sometimes like I've still got a list of people that you know have said right you're definitely coming on the show, and then you're looking at things and going right okay, is April gonna work? And now I'm looking at May and looking at May's calendar and potentially <laughs> looking at June's calendar, and before I realise it's gonna be 2019 and the whole process is gonna start 
all over again. <laughs> this is probably me in me in a roundabout way saying, I'm sorry for everybody who has not been on the show yet. I am trying to get round to everybody as quickly as as quickly as possible. Except wizards. Uh you're gonna be on a list for a long time, people. You can wait forever. Um have you have you have you decided on a cost? Obviously, if you've got a cost for the game, you're going live tomorrow, of course you've got a cost for the game. Why am I asking the most stupidest question on this? <laughs> well, but what, are, what, are, what, are I, you, what are you looking at? Um, so for the base game, it is $19 plus shipping, depending on where you live. Um, but that's actually not like that bad of a question because I was deciding um, one of my tiers uh, what what cost it would be. Um, we were talking about it this morning because we've been going back and forth. Like, what should that cost? I don't know. Like, should it? Um, and that tier was, um, so we're going to have like this ultra edition of the game. And then, um, there's also, um, the ability to donate to a library or like gift to a library. We've changed to gift because there's this Kickstarter rule that you can't do donations and we're not doing donations you're buying a product that is getting sent somewhere but like so many people were like you say donation and i'm like i've read the rules i'm not doing the thing and they're like but you say the word (laughs) and it's like okay i won't say the word i fixed Uh. it there's no word on there that you could find that says donation um so (laughs) Uh, just the things you have to deal with, like you can't say certain words. Like even when you're editing your Kickstarter page, if you say the word life, it's like, whoa, you said life. Why are you saying this? <laughs> really? Like, yeah, it's uh, it's a weird sort of thing. There's there's a lot of things with Kickstarter that it's like, huh? I wish this was different. Um, <laughs> well, like on that one, like. So somebody pointed out, they're like, hey, you have a lot of weird spacing on your Kickstarter page. And I'm like, yes, you obviously have never used the Kickstarter editor if you're saying that because, you know, well, like if you add in a video or an image, it will add in space. And if you delete the wrong space, it will delete that image. It won't like tell you or have a notification or say why the space is there. It just like it deletes it. And it's also with links. So if you delete a space, you could be deleting your link and you just don't know about it until you go to click on it and it doesn't, it's not clicky and you're like, what? But I, I made this clicky. Like, I remember like for, um, I think it was either Super Hack or Star Leap where I was going in and adding all the links and then deleting all the link, all the spaces and then like there would be no links and I'd be like, what? And I did it like repeatedly until I like figured out like, oh, that's why there's random spaces. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't like this. Like like I'm a I'm a software engineer, okay? Like if you just were like, hey, do your Kickstarter page in HTML, I'd be like, Yes, I can do this and it will look perfect. But <laughs> with dealing with this editor where it's like, Yep, you have all these spaces and I'm like, I don't wanna deal with like trying to get rid of the spaces and like having to re upload pictures repeatedly so the spaces are there and it's awkward, but you know, I'm I'm just done now. <laughs> you said like you're done. Um are you excited? I mean what time when are you what's what time's it going live? So I am very, very excited. Like, um, well, in the past, like I, like for the last like month or so, I've been going between like being like super excited and like super dreading it and like all the emotions and stuff. Um, but now I'm just like, I'm, 
like I've done a lot of things. Like I, I think like even if I didn't do the things that I want to do for the rest of the night, I think I would be very prepared and the launch would still go well. Um, mm. So yeah, like I am super excited. That's brilliant. Well, I mean, we wish you best of luck because you were fantastic last time you were on the show. And Fire in the Library sounds like it's going to be um, hot, 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 um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, if people want to keep an eye on where you are on the internet webs, where can we find you? Well, obviously, we'll get the link for the Kickstarter. But if people want to find you on the internet webs, where can we find you? Where do you exist? So on Twitter, I'm at Weird Giraffes. On Facebook, it's Weird Giraffe Games or Carla Cop if you want to friend or whatever and send me messages. Um, I have a website that's WeirdGiraffeGames.com. Um, mm. And I also have an Instagram, and I think that is Weird Giraffe Games. Um, but the Kickstarter itself is at FireInTheLibrary.com. Like, how cool is that? I'm like the... Uh, Queen of yeah, domains. Awesome. I have so many. <laughs> like, like. Well, I don't have like so many. I have like ten, but I feel like that's a lot. <laughs> I'm the queen of domains. How many domains do you have, Your Majesty? I have ten. Um, that's more like a duchess, isn't it? Don't choose. <laughs> I am the queen of domains. I have ten domains. The one over in the castle over there, she's got twelve. I am your queen. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Does she have fire in the library dot com? I think she's got water in the museum dot co dot uk. She does not have that. Send her away, off with her head, and so on and so forth. But what we'll do is we'll make sure that we put the links in the show notes so that we've got notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're doing, and you're wondering like earlier on, why did he not do the intro? Because um, didn't feel like it. So there you go. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. It's my show, my rules, basically. Um, but if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, you can go to Twitter at We're Not Wizards. You can go to Facebook, We're Not Wizards. You can go to Instagram, We're Not Wizards. You can go to YouTube and search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. You can go to find us on the various podcast catchers which are Acast and Spreaker and Stitcher and Player FM and Spotify. We're on Spotify. I know. Whoa. Don't know that. Yeah, I know. You know. Yeah. That means we get point zero 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 one dollar <laughs> when anybody even looks at an episode. We don't get any money at all. We get nothing. Um, but however, if you do want to sh- support the show and you think somebody is going to enjoy um, what what you've listened to, then please tell them. We always appreciate new ears um, giving us a listen. Um, if you like to do us even a bigger favour, please jump onto Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription. If you love us like nothing else on the planet, then please um, <clears throat> drop us a rating or a review. And as we say, um, please don't give us a 10 because it makes us big headed. <laughs> we're like we're like the really important reference section of the library. We just think we're ultra important. But don't give us a 1 because that'll make us cry and we'll end up like the trashy romance fiction section of the library. Give us a 5 because it's in the middle and it's average and we are decidedly average. But the person who's not been average today is 
Carla Cop from Weird Giraffe Games, who is launching Fire in the Library pretty much tomorrow, or maybe today, or maybe it was yesterday, <laughs> depending on when you're listening to this. Um, but thank you very, very much for coming on, Carla. Yeah, thank you for having me. I always enjoy talking to you. It's always good fun. Um, and there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Carla? No, we're not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Carla. Bye, guys. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. Look, check out Fire in the Library. Stella Leap was fantastic. Very, very successful campaign. Fire in the Library is going to be something which is going to be just as I said, hot, hot, blazing inferno of magnificence. I am going to use all the fiery adjectives I can get my hands on in the next two and a half seconds. So check it out. Link will be in the show notes. And uh, yeah, give it a look and see what you think. Because um, sometimes it's good to read. <laughs> sometimes it's even better to try and save a bunch of books out of a burning library. But until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>